From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. So pretty much out of nowhere this month, the Treasury Department announced it was ripping up the tax treaty that the U.S. has had with Hungary since the late 1970s. Now, admittedly, there aren't a ton of businesses operating in both the U.S. and Hungary, which, for comparison's sake, has a GDP slightly smaller than that of Kansas. So this move probably won't affect the whole global economy or even the U.S. economy. But it's worth reiterating, this came out of nowhere. There was no indication the U.S. was considering this move. And as our guest today points out, the U.S. has only ever killed a tax treaty about two dozen times before in the history of the republic. So what exactly is going on here, and who will be affected most by this rupture in international relations? To answer these questions, we called Sean Foley, a partner at KPMG who specializes in international issues. He told Bloomberg tax reporter Isabel Gottlieb that, though it's not totally clear, this may have something to do with the effort to establish a global minimum corporate tax. But first, Sean explained to us just how rare a tax treaty termination really is. It is not that it never happens. And in fact, um, my colleagues uh, publish uh, periodically a, uh, at KPMG a survey of all treaties. And one of the things that's in that uh, survey is a summary of all the treaties that the U.S. has terminated. And I went to look at it and see what what is that. And I counted up 24 Um now, the 24 that have been terminated, if you're looking at them, they're like uh, Granada and, uh, you know, British Virgin Islands. And a number of those that were terminated were not full treaties. Two of the treaties on there that I was aware of that were full treaties uh, were sort of interesting. Uh, one of them was uh, South Africa, which was uh, terminated in uh, 1987 following an act of Congress um, um, and an anti-apartheid bill that, it, that was enacted. Before we get too deep into what's going on in that U.S.-Hungary treaty and the implications, maybe let's take a step back. Um, Can you walk us through what is a bilateral tax treaty? What are they doing? How are companies benefiting from two countries having one? The U.S. government has um, something, uh, I think, a little short of 70 bilateral treaties. As a tax treaty, what it will cover are basically the core issue is double tax issues and withholding taxes. There's also a, a number of issues having to do with Social Security and certain issues about whether athletes traveling between the countries are when they're going to be taxed. Uh, these are usually smaller dollars, but to those who are implicated are very, you know, obviously very, it's very important issues. The two things that are really happening here is that the tax treaty is creating certainty by creating a set of rules in which um, a company in the United States or in Hungary is going to be taxed by the other jurisdiction. And it's also encouraging trade because it's reducing the or an investment, maybe even more than trade. There are questions that come up under these issues, right? I mean, so we have, you know, is the withholding tax been appropriately applied? Is this company actually taxable in Hungary or and vice versa? There is a provision called the, the MAP, the Mutual Agreement Procedure, and uh, that is a authorization for the two governments, and particularly somebody called the competent authority of the government, is, a, is the person designated under the, the treaty to get together with the other country so the two competent authorities can come together and can answer any questions about the application of that treaty. And this is triggered usually by a audit in one country or the other where a, a company has been uh, assessed 
uh, that and then they look at that assessment and they say hey this is from our point of view inconsistent with the treaty and so they can bring it to the competent authorities the two competent authorities will come together and they will then negotiate a settlement um, and this is a very active part of my practice actually what i do on a, on a daily basis and uh, you know and is only uh, available in one of these treaties these these 68 or so treaties that the united states has um, where we don't have a treaty like with singapore or hong kong you can't go and and suggest it to the to the US government or to the Hong Kong government that the two get together and sort out what you think is is for example double tax under transfer pricing adjustments you can't do that if you don't have a treaty if you have a treaty you can do that and the US is generally very successful overall like in like the 95% rate i mean very very high percentage of getting um uh, agreements under these these mutual agreements and so that's a, 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 a the other sort of important part of the of the treaty moving Back to what's going on with this Hungary Treaty. Let's look at what led to the U.S. government making this announcement. Treasury had said that it had concerns about how much Hungary had cut its corporate tax rate over the years. That's currently 9% um, since the treaty was implemented. It pointed to Hungary having a lack of withholding taxes on payments to non-residents. It said it had been discussing these concerns with Hungary since last fall. Um, Of course, the other context of this news is that the EU is trying to pass a minimum tax directive, part of the um, global deal that the Biden administration has been a big supporter of. And um, Hungary this summer has been holding that up, refusing to, to back the agreement in the EU. What is your sense of sort of what brought Treasury to this point? Um, can you kind of put more context around what's going on here? Well, I can, but it's it's a bit speculation, and it's really uh, I'm I'm reading the news like you and your and your listeners are as well, uh, because what we have is the official pronouncement from the Treasury Department um, doesn't give us you know uh, that kind of detail. We can talk about those the, these points of view that are being discussed in the press. So based on that and nothing more, but based on that, this is this is very much related, as you just said, to what we call pillar two, which is the the, the, the global you know minimum tax rate that is uh, being negotiated. Uh, pillar two uh, has been largely negotiated in, and the uh, as you said, the, the Biden administration is has been very much in favor of this. Uh, and as a part of that, the European Union is also in favor of this. Um, but the European Union has rules that require unanimity if if there is to be a a EU wide tax position. And uh, when they last got together, the EU uh, finance ministers, uh, there was unanimity minus one. And the minus one was Hungary. And so is that a coincidence? Probably not. And that is exactly what the uh, the press reports are indicating that the uh, the U.S. government, uh, which has been very interested in supporting this and would very much like the EU to adopt this and also for the United States to adopt, that uh, that uh, is something that's being held up by Hungary. Um, you know, there was a there was a concern there. The background story here that, that you didn't note it at, at the opening is that Hungary and the U.S. have already negotiated a new treaty and uh, and that was negotiated and has been in front of the Senate since 2010. So that's a long time ago. That's 12 years ago. And um, there were a, a series of treaties, uh, uh, a set of treaties that had been pending for 10 years. And uh, just a couple of years ago, the, the Senate uh, did, in fact, move forward on a number of them. But one of the ones that, that it left behind was the Hung- Hungary Treaty. And, 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 and interestingly enough, uh, Hungary actually has ratified that treaty and the United States has not. 
So the U.S. is in a situation you know, sort of somewhat peculiar that, you know, we renegotiated a treaty, our treaty partner ratified it, we didn't, and then we said, you know, we we don't like the treaty that that is sitting there since 1979, but we're going to we're not going to wait for the renegotiation for the, the ratification or potentially, you know, some fix to that new treaty. We're going to just terminate the old treaty. So that's our posture, and it seems to be related to Pillar Two. In my reporting, actually, from from about two weeks ago, when this news first came out that they were pulling the treaty, the administration had actually said at that point that they no longer supported the one that's still pending, the update. Um, so looking at what's going to happen once this treaty no longer exists, um, you had laid out earlier kind of what the different types of benefits treaties provide, the different types of measures that are in there. Can you kind of walk through um, who is going to be affected when this treaty between the U.S. and Hungary is no longer there? Anybody with with investments or uh, with potential tax exposure um, in Hungary, you know, will be, you know, U.S. residents, U.S. corporations, U.S. and, and U.S. people uh, will be affected, um, you know, once this uh, termination, you know, takes effect. And so there's a there's a process under the treaty, which uh, starts with a notification, which has now happened. Um, so a July 8th notification, there's a six month notification window, which takes us to January 8th of 2023. And then there's a one year sort of phase out. So that takes us to January 1st of 2024. So it's not exactly 12 months, but it's years beginning after. So we have a January 1 of 2024 is really the the date when this is going to bite and we will no longer have an active treaty. And what that would mean is that withholding taxes, you know, for inbound, you know, so basically dividends paid out to Hungary, dividends interest paid out to uh, Hungary, hung, Hungarian, you know, corporations, those would suddenly be subject to a 30% withholding instead of zero. Very, very, you know, important change. And then uh, to the extent that there's, you know, questions about taxation rights, uh, you would uh, no longer have access to, you wouldn't be able to look to the treaty, you can only look to domestic law. And then the last thing, as I mentioned, is that uh, to the extent that we have map cases underway um, with with Hungary, um, you know, those would those would be impacted as well. And what happens to those map cases? So if I'm a, a company, you know, in the middle of, of resolving a dispute using the map process, does that just sort of if I haven't solved it by January 1st, 2024, um, the, I just fall out of the map process? You know, I uh, I had not really looked at that uh, before, Isabel, and so I, dig, uh, I thought I'd take a look at that. The, the United States has something called a model treaty. And interestingly, it says that the uh, that the that with with respect to you know old years that were under the treaty, the governments can continue to meet and they can they could actually you know potentially reach a, a settlement. So it doesn't go poof. I mean, sort of you wouldn't necessarily disappear your map case. However, this this statement uh, in the model treaty explanation makes two very important points, which sort of undercut the importance of this little exception. Uh, number one is that the the, the Ability to negotiate is obviously, as you can imagine, is very dependent on information. And so the information that is to be on the table for the two tax authorities to reach an agreement is is largely uh, and sometimes entirely taxpayer information, which is confidential and uh, under U.S. domestic rules cannot be shared with a foreign government 
unless there's a treaty because the treaty specifically allows for that kind of exchange of information. And the other point here is very important, which is that we just talked a little bit about how the treaty rules and the domestic rules of the United States or Hungary might be different. And, and, and importantly, you know, where there's a treaty, the two rules have converged and they're the same. Where there's not a treaty, uh, that's where the problem is often because the domestic rules are different and that's why treaties are important. Now, I went back to look at what is the, the treaty inventory with Hungary. There's an important source of information that is, uh, that is not perhaps always widely known, and that's the OECD. The OECD has a very, you can just go to Google and, and put in OECD map statistics and they will pop out and they're very, very helpful and interesting. And the, the way those statistics work is that if you have five or more, then you, the, the statistics will actually tell you what country they're with. If you have less than five, then you, you don't have, uh, they're, they're, they're all aggregated. So what we have here is that very few cases out there, and we know that the U.S. is at least less than five. The other thing I would have to say is that uh, my own practice and the practice of KPMG, we have no map cases with Hungary in our inventory. Um, you know, obviously, we're not the only advisors who work in this space. We do a lot of it, though, and uh, we don't have that experience. So it's, this has not been a place that we've seen a lot of action. So, so the map issue is a theoretically a problem on the ground, sort of probably not going to hit a lot of companies in actuality. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you're one of those companies, you probably care a lot. So I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm just saying that it's, it's, a, it's a relatively limited number of, of companies that are, that are going to be impacted. If you're advising companies that are looking at all of this and saying, you know, uh, when this treaty is terminated, the withholding rates are really going to impact me. If you are if your client is that one person who has the the map case, the one hypothetical person, um, what sort of what options are on the table for companies in terms of thinking about how they might respond to the termination of this treaty? Is this something that you would see companies restructuring to to take account of? Um, is there a way to kind of change the the way they're setting up their their business through Hungary that could um, mitigate some of the impacts? Yes, there are, and uh, and obviously that's something that we're our, our teams are are looking at, and, and companies are looking at. Um, I, I think uh, I think one of the interesting things about the termination clause is that it seems to be one way. Um, there is the Treasury Department can terminate um, the the treaty, but like for example, if they decided because Pillar Two passed to they 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 wanted to reverse themselves. It's not clear that there's a method to do that in the treaty. So it, it seems that uh, this is done. And the only way for the treaty to sort of be um, come back into life is to have a treaty that comes into force, presumably the 2010 negotiated treaty or some version of it. So, you know, this seems like a done deal. And for that reason, um, you know, I think companies that, that have U.S. Hungarian transactions, you know, need to evaluate, you know, what it, what it would mean not to have a treaty. And then um, there they need to you know, determine, you know, is the, the higher withholding tax uh, affordable? Is it does it make sense? Um, so I think restructuring might be one thing that would happen. That was Sean Foley with KPMG speaking to Bloomberg Taxes, Isabel Gottlieb. You can find up to the minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio and Jeff Harrington are our editors. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. 
At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.